This is a Founding Media Podcast, produced at Austin Community College District. Welcome to Science in the Mall, y'all. I'm your host, Dan Dillard. Laura Bosworth and I have a lot in common, from our choice in vehicles to growing up doing the hard work on ranches and surviving tough work in Texas. We are also people who started our own companies. Laura is the CEO and co-founder of Tevito Biodevices. Tevito has built a dedicated and standardized laboratory that turns skin samples into true pigment. They have seen a gap in the market in how folks can better recover from reconstructive surgery. Tevito has a vision to change the current approach to reconstructive surgery, starting with a loss of skin color caused by disease or scarring. So here's one example of science happening in the mall, y'all. Thank you for coming to the show, Laura. I really enjoy and looked forward to this show and the things that you're doing. I think I've read some really great stuff about the work that you're doing and admire already. And I've been kind of anticipating this show. So thank you for coming on the show. Well, thank you so much for giving me this opportunity. It's pretty exciting. One of the um, reasons that we're doing Science in the Mall, y'all, is is to uh, understand uh, or for the audience to understand that that things are much Things that, that we imagine, like you know, going into different medical or science, used to be where you had to go work for big pharma or big science, you know, corporate, right, right, and make your path through there. And a lot of times, there's ideas that are right there at your fingertips, and maybe the thought process is, I have got to go down this other route. But uh, incubators, as you mentioned, are great resources because right. they've got all the equipment. They've got you know, so how, how has that been? We just talk a little bit about how ACC has been part right. of your journey and, 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 and how that makes it more efficient for small business owners. Yeah, it's actually interesting because we received a grant from the National Science Foundation in, I think it was at the end of 2014. And um, we needed to build out a lab. We needed a facility and ACC didn't have their incubator yet mm -hmm. in, in that mall. Um, there was a group up at Georgetown that had some facilities, and so we went up there. But they um, they were full, mm -hmm. and they were supposed to be building out something else, but, you know, construction delays, you know, yada, yada, yada. Mm -hmm. So we ended up having to go into our own facility and, um, you know, buy our own equipment. And we, we were frugal. We bought all our stuff at the – Auctions, you know, the mm -hmm. UT, the the schools auction off all their old stuff, mm -hmm. and uh, so that's what we bought: a bunch of old, really old equipment. Um, but it was what we needed; it was mm -hmm. the only thing we could afford. So, um, you know, in fact, we wrote letters of support to ACC and all those when they were um, writing their grants, uh, because it's so difficult for a biotech type of company to afford all this yourself. Mm -hmm. So um, your journey now as far as the science goes, I want to I want to take a deep dive or somewhat deep, not super deep, but into yeah. into the pigmentation and the changes and in, in, in those issues. How does that work? So it's actually um, scientifically relatively straightforward. Uh, you know, everybody's heard of a transplant. You know, you get okay. a, a liver Mm -hmm. donated or kidney donated and the idea is you take a healthy one mm -hmm. from someone else and and then implant that transplant that 
In this case, um, they've probably also heard of skin transplants, right? If you yeah, get a really crap, bad yeah. burn in one area and you move your skin to the other area. So the same holds true if you've lost your skin color and there's some diseases uh, like vitiligo that can cause that. Um, but you can also get it from a lot of traumatic events, you know, burns or injuries. Um, scars often lose their skin color. Mm -hmm. And so what you do is you move the healthy cells from one area um, over to the area that's lost the color and they graft. And over time, the color comes back. Wow. Now, the sciencier side mm. of this mm -hmm. is that in most of those cases, you know, you're taking a whole liver, you're taking a big chunk of whole skin. Um, what we're able to do is take a very small sample and then separate the living cells that have – that produce pigment. Mm -hmm. Those are melanocytes. Mm -hmm. and, um, and then transplant just the cells. And so we – by taking a small sample, that's much easier on you, and we can cover a much bigger area. Mm -hmm. um, so that makes it in what some people might consider kind of cosmetic, mm -hmm. right? I mean, you're you're not going to die of having a pale scar. Right. Um, you might be really emotionally unhappy mm -hmm. if you know you have big scar on your face or something like that. Um, so in this case, you know, you don't want to go through something traumatic just to fix it. Right. Um, and so our process helps helps with that. It's pretty um, pretty easy on the patient. Yeah, I was I was watching the video on your website, and it, it was the little cartoon. Yeah, one? I yeah. thought it was really cool. Yeah. It was because it, it makes it seem um, very approachable. Yeah. It doesn't seem like it's a hard procedure at all. Right. Um, it looked like it was a. I mean, I'll let you explain it because I. You'll do it better than I <laughs> right. the video, but sounds like not very yeah. intrusive whatsoever. Yeah. I mean, they've actually been doing this type of procedure for about 25 years. Um, and again, very much like a skin transplant. Uh, what we do is that the actual processing is, is difficult, and that's where a lot of the science kind of comes in. Um, and the net effect is unless you have a huge – or big research budget, mm -hmm. you can't prepare these skin cell transplants. And so that's what we do. We have a lab where we prepare them for for the doctors, mm -hmm. for the patients. Okay. So person goes into the doctor, they get a small skin graft to get you, get you the sample of the healthy cells. You right. take that. That's right. And you process it. Yep. And then we ship it back to the doctor. And the doctor. Um, and then they use a very – there's some – procedures that are used a lot in cosmetic. Um, they, they use lasers mm -hmm. and they take away a very small level, the surface, your epidermis. That's a, it, it's like about as thick as a sheet of paper. Well, okay. um, and in fact, they do this all this time to treat wrinkles mm -hmm. and, and things like that, very common. So they use that to prepare your um, site that mm -hmm. doesn't have any color. Uh, and then we put the cells, they're, they're in a liquid, on top of that site and cover it up with a bandage. Um, it heals usually in about a week or less, uh, and it takes up to six months for this, the cells. They sort of know what they do, right? You've moved them back into the body. Mm -hmm. They recognize all the other cells and all the other components. Um, they attach, and then they start to grow. And what m melanocytes do is they produce a protein called um, melanin mm -hmm. uh, and then that's what gives you your color 
So just takes the six months for it to for it to happen. Well, I think the body's incredible in what yeah. it can do, but then yeah. also the, the people like yourself that have looked at what how can we help the body identify other ways of correcting right. itself. Right, it's just it's just really fascinating. There's uh, you know this is kind of a an much simpler than what some people are doing today in regenerative medicine, right? Mm -hmm. Where they're trying to use stem cells to regrow your liver instead right. of having to transplant it. And, yeah. you know, I think over the next 20 to 25 years, there's just going to be some really amazing uh, things that are going to happen. Um, so, Yeah, you mentioned 3D printing. Is that still part of what you guys do? We have a um, follow-on product mm -hmm. that – would um, have some additional features and capability uh, beyond this one that we have out on the market. Mm -hmm. uh, and it would use a 3D printing type of concept mm -hmm. to prepare it. Who are um, – who is your clients? Like who, who, is it doctors or is it – I mean who – Yeah, who we actually – we sell to the doctor because yeah. doctors are the you know advisors right. to their patients. Mm -hmm. And so we sell mostly to dermatologists mm -hmm. – um, and also plastic surgeons, yep. right? Because this can be in sort of a reconstructive phase, mm -hmm. um, and then they sell to their to their patients. Okay. Now, one of the key things is we do have to start working on kind of awareness mm -hmm. so that patients know. Because for the last however long, if you've gone in and asked, "Hey, is there anything you can do about this scar?" Right. They'll tell you, "No." I mean, I can make it. The texture better. I mm -hmm. can make it softer, more pliable. Um, lasers are actually fantastic for for that, but I can never fix the the loss of color. It's wow. kind of what they say today. So you know, people yeah. need to go back out there and start asking again because that's that's changing. Technology changes every day, and, mm -hmm. and those answers change as well. Right. I want to get into. We we were chatting a little bit about you know where we grew up and that kind of thing, but I want to get into you know. The, the work that you're doing now, which is you, you want to talk about some of that. I, I read some interesting things about skin pigmentation and how you you saw that as, as an issue that you wanted to tackle. Can you tell me about when you had that idea and, and what led to that? Yeah, it was actually an interesting um, happenstance, I would say. I had left a large corporate America and I was working um, to help entrepreneurs just like, you know, there's a bunch of entrepreneurial programs and this was – 10 or 12 years ago, so they weren't quite as common, um, but it was just getting rolling. And, uh, you know, I grew up in El Paso, so I was on the advisory board for the College of Engineering at UT El Paso and helping to look at their um, innovation programs and met a professor who was doing 3D printing, which is very cool. Mm -hmm. If you can imagine 10 or 15 years ago, yeah. that was like nobody was really talking about that. It's everywhere now. Mm -hmm. And... Um, but he was doing it with skin. And oh, wow. so we started to look at, well, what could you do with that? And uh, my background is high tech. Okay. So the whole world of medicine was completely foreign to me. Right. And when I started to think about the impact you could have on people's lives, I just got really excited. Yeah. Um, so no intention to be an entrepreneur. Okay. But the further I got into it, then I went to him and the dean and said, you know, we got to start a company. Okay. Um, coincidentally, along that line, uh, you may remember this, but uh, at the time I was growing up, people used to sunbathe and you'd use, you know, baby 
Big oil. oil. Exactly. Yeah, you know, I do like, remember this. We, we were um, climate deniers of sunscreen exactly. and skin cancer at yeah, the time. Yeah, like nobody yeah. really believed it. And so, mm. of course, you have a lot of people who are impacted by that. And um, I myself have had melanoma. Okay. And so that was kind of all at the same time. Mm -hmm. So I think the, you know, coming across something that was related to skin mm -hmm. um, at the time that I was experiencing challenges with skin and trying to understand it, I think um, it just, you know, sometimes these things happen and they're meant to be and you just have to go for it yeah, when it yeah. does. So. so what's really interesting is this entrepreneurship journey um, that I'm always fascinated by because, you know, you'll have people that just like yourself in, in corporate America doing whatever it is that that people do. And then they move on and say, okay, I want to go tackle something. So um, there's there's a certain there's a certain fear that many have. It's like, mm. I, I don't have a roadmap. I mean, nobody's telling me what to do. Because typically when you go into a structured corporate world, you, right. here's all the things you have to do. Right. But entrepreneurism is like, there's no one there telling you. So right. was, what was that journey like for you? Well, it's interesting because although there's no one there telling you, um, there actually are a lot of roadmaps. So mm -hmm. especially now, you know, they have all these accelerators and incubators mm -hmm. um, and, and they're pretty structured around all the components that you need to think about as right. an entrepreneur, at, okay. at least from that type of roadmap. Right. Um, and, uh, you know, I've actually developed and run programs okay. like that. Mm -hmm. And so for myself, those were even helpful because um, I was fortunate to have experience in a lot of the different phases of it, but how you put it together all all at once right. was even new for me. Mm -hmm. You're still the one figuring it out, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And you're still the one that uh, I remember teaching a lot of people when you'd get to the sort of the financial projections and start to say, well, you know, start putting your numbers like how many of these thing thingies are you going to sell and are you, how many a month and what's going to be the cost and just put it in a spreadsheet and i'll tell you what man this is a very uncomfortable process mm -hmm. for most people um i'm just pie in the sky numbers you just don't even know where to start you just don't know where to start and because the reality is you're always wrong mm -hmm. and people don't want to be wrong right and, and so i think it's the, the, that that to me seemed to be the most fear that people ever had was around the financial. Yeah. And, you know, I was always saying, you just put in what you know, and then you'll start talking to people and you'll learn more and then you start changing your numbers and they'll get better and better. Mm -hmm. um, Give me your best wrong answer. That's exactly <laughs> right. And, and, and that's okay. Mm -hmm. But people don't want to be wrong. Right. Yeah, so that's uh, – Fortunately, I've never really had a problem with being wrong. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, think, there's a lot of people that'll tell you and correct you. So, right. you know, to some point, just starting out with something gets people excited because then they can tell you all the reasons why they think that's not the right number. And that's how you learn, mm -hmm. you know? So, um, I think, yeah. I think the, you know, you hit the nail around the head. The key is um, starting. And mm -hmm. then, and then, to not being afraid of being wrong, not being afraid of failure. Failure, failure is your friend because you're. Right. It's a learning process. Which, at a previous interview, I, I, I had this insight from a scientist. Actually, he's like, I don't like the word failure in science. We just call that testing. Yeah. Because you know, think about yeah, you know, test, 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 test. Everything doesn't work, and then one succeeds, and that there it that's is. Exactly so, right. So that's the same. Kind it's of concept. the same with your financial. Like mm -hmm. you're testing it. Mm -hmm. You know, you're putting in what you think, and you're going to be asking people, and you're testing it, and right. then you're going to change it as you learn. So. Right. 
It's exactly the same. So before you uh, embarked this journey, I, I do want to touch on your, your background, what you did for corporate America and maybe even what you studied. Uh, and, and let's talk about your passion and how that transformed. Would you want to take us back? Okay. Well, I um, have a degree in engineering. Okay. It's actually an odd field, metallurgy. Um, it's not very common. Um, but it was a, a good broad mm -hmm. kind of kind of basics uh, um, type of engineering field. What and is it? Metallurgies? So like literally metals. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So it was most of the people who had metallurgy degrees went to work in the steel industry. Got it. You know, or in aluminum, mm -hmm. um, or you know, any anything like that. I had interviews like at General Motors in the steering wheel division. Got it. Imagine making steering wheels all your life. Sorry, General Motors people. Somebody's got to. Um, and, but I went to work at IBM okay. into their manufacturing. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it was a really good uh, – and I, the thing I love about engineering is it's problem solving. Right. Right. So it doesn't matter what kind of problem. You've been trained to solve problems, mm -hmm. business problems, financial projection problems, you mm -hmm. know, whatever it is. Um, and I feel like that's how I was able to take advantage of that. Um, and in my corporate life, I actually had a lot of different roles. Mm -hmm. So I would do well where I was, and then people would give me an opportunity to move to a very different space that I didn't have experience in, mm -hmm. uh, which is one of the best things about big corporations yep. is that you develop a network and they kind of stay with you, but they they – they make sure you get these opportunities to go over um, as opposed to a lot of times today, you know, if you want to go get a job in the medical field, mm -hmm. had I applied coming right out right. in the medical field, people would have been like, oh, no, you're not qualified. Right. Um, but so, if I had wanted to go into the medical sales side at IBM or Dell, they probably would have said, yeah, because, right. you know, we know of you and we know you know how to learn these things. Mm -hmm. So um, – yeah, so that's – I felt fortunate to have that kind of background. I really like the way you connected engineering to entrepreneurism because most people think completely different things. But in essence, engineers are problem solvers. Yeah. And entrepreneurs identify something that is not working in society and say, I'm going to go tackle that. Right. And I hadn't made that connection until just now. <laughs> that's and, pretty cool. And then I will tell you then everything else about it is a problem solving too, mm -hmm. right? Because you're – now, your product is the first problem that you solve, but mm -hmm. then, you know, what's the business model? Who are you going to sell to? Um, how much are you going to sell it for? You, all those questions are all just problems that uh, you have to test mm -hmm. and retest and test and or fail and fail right, and right, fail, right, depending right. on which way you like to describe it, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, and and then just keep tweaking your answer until mm -hmm. you've figured out the path that's the that's going to be the successful one. Right. As far as um, your transition from, you know, we talked about the transition from corporate America into entrepreneurism. What has been some of the cha biggest challenges you faced and had to overcome in some of your proudest moments, maybe? And that's a loaded question, but I know that's just, always a tough one, isn't it? <laughs> um, I think one of the one of the things that's obvious that's hard is you go from a place full of resource mm -hmm. to you know no resources, right? And um, I was fortunate that I'm a bit of a jack of all trades and, mm -hmm. and, you know, I think that works well that that meant I was comfortable um, 
to wear multiple hats because right. you, you, you really have to, um, unless you can build your team super fast, which, you know, you always have those stories, but I'll tell you those are not the usual, right? right? right. It's usually much harder than, you know, than the Facebook story. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that, uh, you know, so I was lucky that I was hands-on. I could dive into a lot of different areas and feel comfortable, and, and I really love to learn new stuff. So I'm always um, attracted to that. Uh, I'll tell you one of the hardest things is, is not having an admin. Right. Uh, and I appreciate. In hindsight, I feel bad for my admins, you know, because mm-hmm. I feel like this will be dated. A lot of people won't know this, but the old Murphy Brown mm-hmm. show where mm-hmm. she was always yelling at her admins. Um, I, was, I don't think I yelled. If I did, I, I apologize. But um, – this takes so much time and so much work, all the little trivial things, mm-hmm. you know, the f- scheduling your flights and getting hotels and the, it's, it's crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was probably one of the bigger shocks for me. Because you're used to everything just flowing and all of a sudden it's like, oh, there's, this is yeah. the engine that I've got to go rebuild yeah. for my own company, yeah. which is really cool. You know, and as an executive, you, you have even more resources, you know, other than the the, you know, your your staff and all this. Well, I mean, I guess those are the resources, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, but you have um, administrative support. You have financial support. Mm-hmm. You have all these other things that you um, that you rely on. Um, and those are just all gone. Yeah. And, well, and you've got to start over. I love what you said earlier about every one of us is living a Nike commercial. Right. You just got to get up and just do you it. Just do it. Yeah. <laughs> I still have people, you know, they'll say to me, so, um, well, who who does your website? And I'm like, oh, well, I do that. <laughs> They're like, oh, well, who does your accounting? I'm like, oh, yeah, I do that. <laughs> well, how about who's doing the sales? I'm like, oh, yeah, well, right now I'm doing that too. <laughs> you know, the so. buck stops here. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah. There's – it's a complex industry and having access to other people – that are going through different parts of it. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of back to your earlier statement about the roadmap. It's one thing to have a roadmap for you need a business plan, you need financial projections, you need this, you need that. Um, but selling into this industry and or the regulatory field mm-hmm. um, is very complex. Right. And so you need additional experts. Resources uh, and people that have done that. Are yeah. Doing. And so I think ACC has really done a, a fantastic job of – um, pulling the community together and working with folks yeah. um, and being accessible, which, you know, community colleges are supposed to be. So. Yeah, I, I walked in there and I was like, totally did not expect everything that's available there. I was like, wow. Yeah. And uh, this, we need to tell these stories because, you know, the idea is, as you mentioned before, just public knowledge, just, just yeah. audience knowledge. Like, did you know that these things are available and you don't have to go spend millions of dollars buying equipment? Right. You can go do this. You can start and – because. At the end of the day, entrepreneurism is testing and there's failure. So rather than fail big with lots of money than invested, right. you can go do this cost-sharing right. uh, opportunity and also the knowledge base. that yeah. So it's, it helps you um, prepare and maybe uh, face these tests with a lot less um, – more opportunity So right. because of the knowledge base. And, and they are connected, right? So there was um, – Sometime last year, we were running into problem with a piece of equipment, mm-hmm. and you know, one of the first things I did is called up the folks at ACC, and I'm like, "Hey, do you know anybody who might be selling one of these right now? You know, mm-hmm. just because 
who is in the center of it that mm-hmm. um, that knows what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so that was very helpful. They connected me up with a few people. And conversely, when we're selling something or doing something, we, we tell them, mm-hmm. you know, in case that might be something they can help connect us with. The other area I want to mention is we actually now have three people on our staff okay. that went through their biotech okay. program. Um, for us, the skills they're teaching in that program are exactly what we need, wow. you know. Um, so it's fantastic to – Always call down there and like, hey, who's graduating this, mm-hmm. this semester? Mm-hmm. Great resource. We think we think we're going to have another hire, and and uh, almost all cases we've had them come in as interns first. Mm-hmm. Um, and ACC has a great intern program. Sometimes they um, partially pay every one of their students in that biotech program has to do an internship in their last semester. Right. Um, so that's huge for an entrepreneur to be able to get some access. Um, well, it goes back to, to that. it goes back to as I'm hearing you, ACC is a community program, right? right. So it's it's involving the community. You got these small business owners as yourself that are like getting started and yep. embarking on all these challenges, and to have a community resource that you can that they actually help offset some of those costs as they're as they're placing people because that's their mission right. as well. It's right. how people get placed. So it really is a great community uh, project and service. It is. I, I mean, I I think we probably had. So excluding the folks who are now working for us, we probably had three or four other interns Mm -hmm. um, come through our program. So it's um, it's a good it's a good one. Well, well, that's that's really interesting. Uh, Good to hear and validate because I I see the efficiencies and what things are uh, being done there. Yeah. So as as we talk about um, you know. The audience and some people that are out there listening, they may be students or maybe just people that are in the corporate professional world and like trying to figure out, oh, there's this issue I want to solve. How do I go about it? What would be your advice as far as like what you've gone through? And So that's them thinking, I want to solve it by being an entrepreneur, Mm -hmm. right? Potentially. Um, I would say – I think one of the biggest challenges I see for a lot of in- entrepreneurs is you don't realize how long it's going to take. Mm-hmm. And so for you personally, you need to know that you have the finances to get you through for that length of time. Um, you know, so I advise an accelerator, an incubator that can, you know, Maybe in three or four months, you can go through one of those where you look at every one of these stages of a company. Mm-hmm. So then at the end of that, you can decide, do I actually have something right. or not? And and you need to really listen to people <laughs> as mm-hmm. to whether – because sometimes the answer is no. You, right. you know, you don't have anything that's viable. Um, and I think that goes along with the – everyone – you know, you're probably going to have to raise money. If you don't, if you can bootstrap it, that's really good. Um, but it's hard to raise money. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like the one thing you get trained a lot about this idea of raising your first amount of money from friends and family mm-hmm. um, because they know you the best right. and they trust you the best. And so if you can raise from friends and family, that's going to look good. And I will say I even talked about this in programs that I was part of. Um, And it wasn't until one day I realized 
Oh, but you know what? If your friends and family aren't rich, that's not going to work. Right. <laughs> so it kind of gets back to not just your own self. Can you go for two years without a salary? Because mm -hmm. I think if you can't say yes, then you're probably not ready. Right. Um, so you need to be able to say yes to that, and you need to be able to think about how are you going to get that money. And um, if you're rich, mm -hmm. then it's probably a lot easier for you to say yes, mm -hmm. or your family's rich mm -hmm. to to that. Um, it's much easier for you to go get friends and family. Mm -hmm. And this was a an aha moment that I had probably about seven years into being an entrepreneur. Okay. Um, maybe not quite seven, but, and, and the, it really hit home, like what it, what it means when they're telling you, you know, raise money from friends and family. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think it's a little, it's obviously it's unfortunate and we have a lot of cases where people weren't rich and, right. and they made it mm -hmm. right. Um, but I think if you were to look at all the statistics, you probably would see that that's it's hard. Yeah, no, for sure. It's so. a, one of those things, and I'm glad you touched on it. Um, the the having a two year runway for yourself, just because I think um, one of the the things that I see out there in young in young entrepreneurs is like I've got an idea, and someone's going to steal it, and there's this fear based mentality, yeah. and then they and then they try to do things very very quickly, which I I see that as a take your time. Do your planning because right. you you want to have a most chance of success, and quite frankly, what's going to you know tear that down quicker is not having the runway to continue right. following that passion. So you you may think I've got you know three months you know savings I can go do this, and and it's always so optimistic. Yeah, and when you get out there and start seeing these challenges, it can take two years to build something. And then yeah. you then you spend a lot of time either, okay, do I go raise money? So you, you sidetrack yourself. But if you plan ahead and say, okay, I'm going to do what you did, go through accelerator programs, learn, ask questions, be right. humble. You got to be humble and, right. and learn from others. Yep. But um, I love that you put a, you know, two years of you know, making your own way. So you're not worried about that. And then you can go yep. you know, look at Invest and you might need more than that, oh, yeah. right? Depending on what you're going into. But yeah. I think if you if, if you can't come up with that, you're you're just probably not ready. And I also like that you're it's not ready. It's not it's not going to happen. You're just not ready yet, and that's right. okay. Right. Um, every one of us has a calling or passion, and and um, you know, as long as we get started and start doing research and planning and all of that kind of good stuff, I think it um, that research is just one of those things that you cannot. Right. You, know, you think about. Anything that you're going to be really good at, and it takes ten thousand hours, right, That's right. To, to become That's a right. professional, whether it's a football player or whether yep. it's a doctor, it is. You just have to put in the. You got to put in the time, and there's no shortcuts to it. There's not, and so in building a business, you've got to put in the time and the research to like, yep. what does it take? I, and even when you think you've got that number, know that that number is probably wrong. So give yourself a buffer. So that's, that's right. Really uh, interesting. You, you know, and that is, I do think that's one thing you learn in corporate America and stuff like that, you, you know, you're dealing with really big projects. And so all the planning on projects um, and you learn like things take a lot longer than you think they should. Um, I remember even having a team that anytime time they would give me a schedule, I would just double it in my head, right? Because I was like, okay, well, he said three months, so that'll be six. 
Um, and then that kept us out of trouble because of that. So, the buffer, yeah. Yep. So I think whatever it is, you probably need to double it. <laughs> <laughs> so I want to ask a question around, uh, you know, obviously this is the best wrong answer, right? But where do you see yourself in the next five years? What, what would you like to be accomplishing and, and impacting? Yeah, so I think we have a really good shot of having the company purchased okay. within that time frame. Um, so I imagine there'll be some transition mm -hmm. that uh, I would be part of. And then I hope I'm in a position where I can be on the investing side nice. of yeah. the equation mm -hmm. um, and helping entrepreneurs. I, I really enjoyed that when I was kind of doing that before I dove all in myself. Um, and I, and I, I regret that I can't help all the people that mm -hmm. call and ask, right. you know, for, for some of my time because um, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. And uh, I love it just because I get to hear everybody's problem, right? Mm -hmm. Like what's the business problem you're solving? Mm -hmm. And, uh, and I, I love to hear about that and start thinking about, well, well here's the things you have to overcome. Yeah. Um, so for me, that's just a, that's just a joy. I don't even consider that work. Um, so I hope that I'll be able to, that I'll get back to that and then, you know, travel. You know, I thought I retired and then I started this company. So that, that wasn't retirement at all. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, what you're describing is the, the funnest part about the work that I do is interviewing entrepreneurs, interviewing founders and trying to figure out what they're solving and how, what drove them to do that. And then the attitude of just do it, just get out there and tangle it. Nobody yeah. has the answers. And so if you're right. out there listening to part of the audience, understand that there's lots and tools and resources. There's it's entrepreneurship is hard work. Nobody's got the yeah. answers. But it's so fulfilling whenever you're able to, to build something that that yeah. can benefit and really be of high value to society. So this is why I love the work that you're doing because there's as you know, we mentioned earlier, um, yes, it can be labeled as cosmetic, but but really, how does it affect the mental right. attitude of right. people that, that are having to face these issues? And so you're really helping people become happier right. uh, with themselves. Right. And I think that's so crucial to do so. Yeah. Thank you so much for being well, thank on you. our podcast. Yeah, I appreciate really enjoyed it. the information, really get to know Good. you, a fellow Good. West Texan. That's and, right. And uh, shared some stories of four-wheeling in, in riverbeds and things of that nature. <laughs> and I really love that. So <laughs> th thanks for being on the show. Yeah, thank you. Thank you again, Laura, for sharing more about what inspired you to get into this field. If you'd like to learn more about Tevito and the Austin Community College Bioscience Incubator, a link is in the show notes. Science in the Mall, y'all, is created in partnership between Founded Media and Austin Community College Bioscience Incubator.